Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And before we get into today's episode, as always, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline, who are the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, events, and with your first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and all of your futures bets for college football and the NFL. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures bets. So head on over to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so let's jump right into today's episode following Washington's 17-15 loss to the Baltimore Ravens. In the final week of the 2022 preseason, Ravens keep their win streak alive. They now won 23 straight preseason games in Washington. Won 0-3 in the preseason, which means absolutely nothing. I've seen in the past where Washington's gone undefeated and then caught in the regular season. It completely crapped the bed. But as we go into 2022 and last night's loss, I want to talk about a few things. This will be a quick recap episode Wednesday when the episode comes out on Thursday, excuse me, there will be, I'm going to have a full 53, final 53 roster projection as cuts are made. The roster will be released Tuesday. All cuts will be final. So the roster is going from 80 all the way down to 53. And you look at this roster right now and it's pretty cut and dry as far as who's going to be released, who's going to be a potential practice squad guy, and who's going to be a core contributor on either side of the ball for the Commanders this fall. And I want to get into Sam Howell. It's the first things first. He got all four quarters of action yesterday against Baltimore. And he was somebody that looked good again. He was someone in every single week of the preseason that you could look at and say, man, I was impressed with his performance. And to get a full 60-minute glimpse was in, provided a nice evaluation window for offensive coordinator Scott Turner, head coach Ron Rivera, and general manager Martin Mayhew after spending a fifth-round pick on Sam and what was looked upon as a potential steal in the fifth round. And even looking back to last year in the pre-draft process, Sam was going to be a guy that teams had in the third round and no later. To grab him in the fifth, to see what he's done in the preseason— See the guys rallying around him on the bench when he's making plays yesterday like he did? Someone that this team vibes around. And yeah, I get it. A lot of the veterans are always going to hype up rookies when they make plays. But it's someone under center. And the moxie that Sam Howell has showed since he's been in the building, it's just just something that you, you rally around. If you're a young team like Washington is, and you've had the struggles that they've had as a franchise at the quarterback position to someone to show the pop that he has... Now, granted, it is in the preseason. It is against the twos and threes. But 60 minutes of Sam Howell was fun. 
yesterday. And the Ravens have a nice amount of depth. You saw a lot of their, their secondary making plays all over the building. There are a couple of their guys along their front seven making plays, flying downhill. Sam Howell got beat up a little bit in the back half of that game, getting sacked when he wasn't able to escape pressure and almost like a magician, similar to what Carson Wentz did a lot in Philadelphia as kind of that little bigger, bigger of a body, just escaping out of pressure. You're not sure how he did. He showcased his ability to run. Ran for almost 70 yards, over 300 yards of total offense. Threw for 280, ran for 62. That's a nice day. And he's throwing to guys that won't be on this roster come Tuesday. Matt Cole, Kyrick McGowan didn't play. Markin Michelle is someone that they tried to get some designated touches to on a reverse, a screenplay. He just probably just won't be here on Tuesday. And he just was... Pumping balls to Diami Brown in the first half. I have some questions about Diami's potential workload this year. He may even be an inactive on game days as of right now. I think he'll make this roster. Remember, just last year, Washington spent a day two pick on the kid out of North Carolina. But just in yesterday's game, now granted he didn't play the second half, but he was peppered with targets. A couple plays down the field, made a couple nice catches, but he dropped a potential touchdown. Dropped a pass over the middle of the field. Now it's just in the first half. And these were opportunities after he got a lot of opportunities in every single facet possible against the Chiefs. Working over the middle of the field, deep shots downfield, isolating him as a blocker on screen plays. This has been a nice evaluation window for this offense. And Diami Brown is somebody right now, I don't know how to project because... I'm sitting here right now, and would I play Cam Sims over him? Absolutely. I've seen what Dax Milne was able to do at the back end of last year and the preseason this year, how he's looked in camp. I would argue that he may have a, a bigger workload than, than De'Ami Brown right now. May that, may that be crazy to say, but I'm not the person that's going to sit here and just because you were a high-round draft pick or you were from UNC and Dax Milne was a seventh-rounder out of BYU and a... Uh, a program that's obviously not known to produce big-time NFL talents. Now, granted, Zach Wilson was drafted in the top three, but you guys understand what I'm saying. Dax Milne, comparatively to De'Ami Brown, I need guys on the field that can produce. Dax Milne, he's producing as a punt returner, kick returner. He's catching every single ball that's targeted his way, making plays near the ground, securing balls off the turf. Like he's just doing a good job on the outside and things aren't really, it's not too much is being asked of him. Couple slant routes here, couple out routes here. Get your toes inbound on third and four. Same thing with Alex Erickson. They're kind of battling there for that punt returner spot, that wide receiver six, if they were to potentially keep a wide receiver seven. I think Milne and Erickson have done a decent job this preseason. But De'Ami Brown is someone last year that they drafted to take the load off of Terry McLaurin to potentially be that wide receiver too, has not lived up to expectation at all. And we talk a lot about on the opposite side of the ball last year as the first rounder in Jamin Davis and how the expectations for him coming into this year, he looked damn good yesterday. Very limited workload, I get it. And it was a surprise that he was even on the field. But I will, I'm not mad at that decision by Ron Rivera. Let the kid play. We've talked about it all preseason about how things have begun to slow down for Jamin Davis. He made the first tackle on defense, ranging out and buzzing out in the running back on the toss and getting a tackle behind the line of scrimmage. That's exactly what we want to see 52 do as we work into the regular season. And the opening week is just two weeks away against the Jaguars where he's going to be asked 
to wrangle down Travis Etienne in the backfield. We'll see how they the timeline is around James Robinson. Jacksonville has those bodies in the backfield. And seeing Jamin Davis slowing down with his eyes, everything's between the ears. Once he begins to slow down even more and allow him to play at the speed that we saw him play at that 4-4 speed at Kentucky, he's going to just be a... So someone that makes plays at the second level, it's exactly the type of athlete and linebacker that they need at that second level alongside Cole Holcomb. Last year, forget about it. Rookie struggles, fine, sure. First round pick, I get it. It's upset when you don't want to see him in the box score with 10, 15 tackles every game and an interception here or there and looks good in coverage. That wasn't Jamin Davis last year. But you have to understand that just as it is with the offensive line up front and player development with guys like Sam Cosme, Keith Ishmael still here. We saw a couple ups and downs from Chris Paul yesterday. Wes, uh, excuse me, not Wes Schweitzer. Wes Martin is back in the building. Player development matters at every position. And for Jamin Davis moving into year two and what we saw this preseason, what we've seen in camp, preseason, look, it doesn't matter. Box scores, doesn't matter. Scores, they don't matter. But film matters. I've been very happy with what I've seen from Javen, Jamin Davis moving into year two and the amount of reps that he's gotten against the Panthers, the Chiefs, and the Ravens. Now, Ravens didn't have Lamar Jackson out there. They didn't have their starters at all, but he got some good work against Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense in the first half of their game when they... Commanders lost and got some good work against Baker Mayfield in the Panthers offense in the first half of the week one, week one of the preseason. So as low as I am on Deami Brown right now, who's a stock down guy, Jamin Davis for me is not a warp speed stock up, but someone that has an upward trend right now and a nice arc on his career Moving into year two, where I expect him to be much better at the second level. But from there, I want to stay on the defensive side of the ball. And two, two, two big points for me. Danny Johnson and this third down defense. Danny Johnson, someone that's been a great story. Been around Washington for a while. Back and forth on the roster. Someone that's been a special teams core player, someone that's worked over the nickel, worked outside in crunch scenarios, done a lot of different things, been a good locker room guy. Somebody that comes in and is just a lunch pail type of player and just competes at whatever spot you need him to. But I have been extremely disappointed with what I've seen from Danny Johnson all preseason long. For someone within that corner's room where they don't have that CB4 or CB5 legit rotational option to put on the field right now. And I don't know what to do with Danny Johnson after watching the game yesterday and seeing him get beat on double moves consistently, not being physical on the outside, not being able to work into line of scrimmage or make plays in the run game. I don't know what to do with Danny Johnson. Is he going to make the roster? I know relationships matter in this league, and obviously they matter with Ron Rivera and someone that's been in the building a little bit in these last few years since Rivera's been in town. But I'm not keeping a guy on the roster just because I I like him as a guy. He's a friend of mine. 
That's not how this business works. And Washington needs players in the secondary beyond Fuller, St. Just, and William Jackson as the three corners that we know that will be on the field when Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars in their first possession in week one at FedEx Field. It, I don't know if I could trust Corn Elder or the drafted Christian Holmes or Dewan Neal, the kid they brought in from the USFL, did not look good yesterday. Multiple times he got beat. He got beat on a double move to the outside yesterday. The corners room right now, the depth is is scaring me. And ever since really, just kind of the viewpoint and, and over, it's just this umbrella of, of the corners room right now is, it scares me ever since Jimmy Moreland left last year. I was extremely curious as to why they cut him. Apparently... It was because they wanted to keep Troy Apke as a special teams, quote-unquote, ace. Where is Troy Apke right now? Right. Exactly. And Washington needs pop within the corners room. I like what they have at safety. I do. Cam Curl, nice player. I like what Jeremy Reeves was able to do yesterday. He's another guy similar to Danny Johnson that's been around the building a little bit. Not many snaps on defense continuously every single week, right? He's someone that's come in on sub packages and played some downs, of course. Been on special teams. Someone that's not afraid to stick his nose in the mud and come up and make plays the line of scrimmage, just like he did last night on the toss play that he had, blowing up the ankles of the running back at the line of scrimmage. I love to see that from Jeremy Reeves. That's his brand of football. But in the corners room, they need depth. And we talked about it at linebacker too, behind Davis and Holcomb. Who comes on the field that Jack Del Rio can trust to make plays in the run game, be stout in man coverage, make plays downhill in zone coverage? Because as we've seen yesterday, same old stuff on third down. And I want to talk about a certain scenario in the back half of that game in the fourth quarter. It was third and 11 with a chance to get the ball back and go tie the ball game. Third and 11. Corners are eight yards off the receiver. Now, look, I understand. Let's bring the lens in just a little closer. We're in week three of the preseason. I get it. You got corners on the outside that haven't got a lot of work. You're playing the soft shell defense, just kind of funneling everything under you. Third and 11. I don't care If it is a preseason, I don't care. Make plays. See what you have on the outside. Put guys in scenarios to make plays. And you got players eight, nine yards off the receiver in the NFL, mind you. I get it. They're threes, right? Guys probably won't be on the roster. These Ravens receivers, these Washington corners, I understand. But this is the defense that you're rolling out there. And this is the same stuff that we've seen in the regular season. And when the starters are on the field against the Panthers, against the Chiefs, just being so soft on the outside when you have corners that have the length to get up. I'm not asking to run press man every single down. I'm not asking to do that. I don't know if we have the speed on the outside to keep up with the types of receivers that Washington's going to face a lot this year. I don't know if I trust Kendall Fuller running hip to hip with CeeDee Lamb or A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith. I don't trust them doing that. Kadarius Tony, in New York. I don't want them to do that. But if you're able to be 
a yard off, you want to press, play some, some press bail, some soft shoe, get him two, three yards off and just be able to, last night, put some guys that you may want on the back end of your roster, to, whether they're a special teams guy or to come in as that fifth or sixth corner potentially on those third and nine, third and 10 situations if your defense is able to put some pressure on the quarterback, which they expect them to do. I'm just tired of seeing this soft defenses that Jack Del Rio deploys and guys are running nine yard dig routes, turning, falling forward, it's a first down. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. Third and 11, guy runs a nine yard route, catches the ball, turns around, falls forward, first down, they keep driving down the field, wasting more clock with a chance in turn to give Sam Howell an opportunity to get the ball back and put him in a situation to lead his offense down the field. Now, granted, we saw him get the ball back with about two minutes left. We saw what he could do there, and it was not the best drive in the world. It was a little bit ugly up front. Baltimore continued to blitz. We know that what that's what their new defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, likes to do. It's what he did at Michigan a lot. But schematically, I still have a ton of questions with Jack Del Rio of what he wants to do on the outside because this soft crap on the outside of six, seven, eight yards off and these cushions against these NFL teams where they have receivers that can create after the catch. Quarterbacks that understand what you want to do from a coverage standpoint and who you have on the outside. If I have A.J. Brown on Kendall Fuller isolated on the outside and he's running man and Kendall Fuller's seven yards off the ball. I'm snapping the ball and I'm getting out to A.J. Brown as soon as possible, letting his 215-pound frame go one-on-one with Kendall Fuller on the outside. I think that's an opportunity that I would take every single time in a matchup that A.J. Brown, when we get into the scenarios, we talk X's and O's when Washington faces the Eagles twice this year and potentially Washington and I expect Washington and Philadelphia to be the top two teams in the NFC East this year. I do, truly. Those little things on the outside got to be fixed. And it's something that's it's stemmed on from years past. But all we can focus on right now because he's in the building is what Del Rio has been doing with this personnel. And they have to be more physical and more aggressive on the outside to take the pressure off linebackers covering for three, four seconds, and in turn, getting your pressure up front. Because we know if there's pressure up front, quarterback's got arms in his face and legs around him and chaos around his feet, you're not going to be able to deliver on time and usually accurately down the field, whether they're working inside the numbers, outside the numbers, fitting the ball into tight windows. It all kind of cogs together. I understand that. But I want to see Washington be more physical on the outside, but there's no more exhibition games. Preseason's over. The soft stuff is, it's it's just, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. We have to be physical on the outside because you have the personnel to do so, specifically in William Jackson and Benjamin St. Just. And even moving back towards potentially the meet with the back end of the year, he drafted a guy like Christian Holmes who played a very physical brand of football near the line of scrimmage in the Big 12 last year in that Oklahoma State defense that was one of the top defenses in college football. Let your athletes be athletes on the outside and let them play football. Use that contact window, that five-yard contact window to your advantage. I know the NFL and football as a whole has become charm and soft. 
recently. I get that. Flags everywhere. Flags here. Flag for this. You can't lower your, your helmet, your shoulder here to run somebody over and embarrass them in front of their family. I get it. You can't do that anymore. Can't play football. But just from a conceptual standpoint, be more physical on the outside. That's something that I'm extremely intrigued to see as we move forward into the regular season and Washington faces a Jaguars offense that is better than they were last year. So from there, to wrap up this pod, I wanted to talk a little bit about special teams and Joey Sly. Because we know that over the last, just look back at uh, you know five, six years, it was always Dustin Hopkins, Nick Sunberg, Tressway is your punter and holder. It's a good trio. Joey Sly, Chris Blewett, Brian Johnson. The names went on and on last year of who was kicking. I think I even got a couple attempts in there a little bit last year I probably forgot about. But we cannot, as an offense and a team, continue to waste possessions like we have in the past. You can't. You have to put points on the board. And we talked about it a lot when Hopkins was nailing 85% of his field goals and was one of the most accurate kickers in the league at, at one point. Tired of field goals, but point to points. But last night in their first drive, Joey Sly, everyone was talking about, oh, Joey Sly's hitting 60 yarders here in pregame. Oh, he's hitting 60 yarders there. Yeah, it's just like in baseball when they're hitting BP and he's hitting homer, homer, homer. He gets in the game and strikes out four times. He's continually, he's, in, he's hitting 180. That's what we call a six o'clock hitter in baseball. I don't want Joey Sly to be a a noon kicker in football. He's got to execute when he's on the field and give Washington a chance to stay in these games when they're not able to put the ball in the end zone. Just put points on the board and do not waste possessions this fall. I don't know what the performance ceiling is for Carson Wentz right now because we've seen the last few years, he wasn't the guy that was in Philly. I expect him to be better like he was similarly in Philadelphia. Because he has a veteran front five. And he has the weapons on the outside. He'll have guys in the backfield to make plays for him. But I want Washington this fall to maximize their possessions. If they're not able to get in the end zone, execute the little things. Make your field goals. 43 yards in today's NFL is a 25-yard pooch. It just is. That's just how it is. Kickers can kick it from 65 yards plus with accuracy. We see it across the league. I don't need to go through the names. 43 yards an opening possession. Sam Howell did a great job leading him down the field. You're a veteran kicker in this league. Put the ball through the uprights. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. Simple as that. So that's kind of the final point I wanted to make. Washington's offense this year, maximize possessions and do not waste them. Put points on the board whenever you can possible. But I do want six. I want six potentially every time we get the ball. That's, the, that's obviously the goal. But if you can't, put the ball through the uprights at a consistent clip if you can. I'm not asking 58 yards every single time you're kicking it to go through the uprights. But anything under 50, 47, I expect a high clip just like Dustin Hopkins was when he was here as he was a surprising release last year. So that's going to wrap up the pod today. A little bit of a a quick recap for you guys on the Ravens game. Preseason's over with. It's time to ball. It's football time. Falls right around the corner. Preseason week one, September 11th. Two weeks from today as I record this on Sunday afternoon. So as always, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Always appreciate your your likes, your shares, your reviews, your comments, interacting on Twitter. I always love to hear from you guys positively and negatively. It gets a good banter going. I love to hear from you all. 
You can find me on Twitter if you don't follow me at underscore Ryan Fowler. All my written work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com. I will have a podcast out this week on Thursday. Again, my final 53 kind of recap as we have cuts on Tuesday. So I will have a podcast out for you then, kind of diving into each position group where I think they can make some additions. We'll see what they do the early part of this week, whether they want to add guys from other teams that were cut, whether it's at linebacker, whether it's at corner. Keep your eyes and ears out for those moves. And then I will have a full recap for you of the roster, that final initial 53 on Thursday afternoon. So as always, guys, thank you for tuning in. I am Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. Week one is right around the corner. Enjoy the start of your work week. Football is right around the corner. Super pumped. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.